is great to have everyone with us this morning. Uh, we have this month been working through this series in the month of November, not about Thanksgiving, but about being thankful, having our life resemble an overwhelming, overflowing, just over-the-top acknowledgement of what God has done in our lives and being thankful in our lives. Not just having the attitude of gratefulness, but living each and every day with a special acknowledgement that God is amazing in our lives. And we've seen that in a couple ways. Two of the ways that we've seen that is that we have faith in Jesus Christ as leading to contentment. We cannot have contentment in our life. We cannot be okay with what we have and don't have if we really don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ to found that contentment on. We need to have that relationship an acknowledgement in faith of who Christ is and what he's done for us to really look at this life, all of its challenges, all of its pains and sufferings, all of its uh, decay and all of its plenty and want in order to have a calm, a peace, not a stoic type of feel, but a true calm and peace. In order to have that, we first of all must have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I never tire of talking about that relationship. I never tire of the power of the gospel. I never tire of talking about what Christ has done upon the cross for you. I never tire of talking about his mercies upon us. I never tire about forgiveness and loving kindness. I never tire that he has risen from the dead. He has risen. That was clue last week. We just did that. He is risen. Yes. And that is a forever anthem of your heart in Christ. A forever anthem that He's risen and He's risen indeed. But without that relationship with Christ as Savior, then this life is going to be filled with lots of uncertainties, worries, and fears of what you may have and may lose. So contentment starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we also saw that being thankful comes with counting all of your worldly privileges, all of those things that you have listed off as accomplishments that make you better than someone else, or puts you a level ahead of someone else, or makes you feel superior to anyone else. All of it is rubbish for the believer. What matters for the believer is exalting the name of God above all other names. And whether or not we have this or that, or whether or not this title or that title, or whether or not we've accomplished this or accomplished that, or whether or not we have this type of wealth or that type of wealth, it matters nothing. When we're looking at a relationship with Jesus Christ, He is, as Paul said, my all in all. And I would forsake all of those other privileges and benefits for that one relationship. And God calls us to that. He charges us with, is Christ your all in all? And today, we're going to look briefly at probably my favorite thing David ever wrote. And if I was to ask you, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if I asked you what is one of the most comforting, exciting things that David, King David, wrote, I would imagine most people would say, I like Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Absolutely beautiful psalm. 
and we've talked about that psalm before, we've had messages on it, it is just, it feels like you're in the hands of God when you read that psalm and you apply it to your own life. And it doesn't matter what valley of death we walk through, He is our God, and He will never leave you or forsake you. It is indeed a beautiful psalm, but it is my duty today, it is my charge and my challenge to make you think when you hear the name David, you think of 1 Chronicles 29. Now, without even turning there, 1 Chronicles 29, how famous is that to you? Did you know there were 29 chapters in 1 Chronicles? Now, I know you knew there was a 1 Chronicles, but there's actually 29 chapters in it, and I think the 29th chapter, let me just double check. Yeah, 29 chapters. I don't often read Chronicle, 1 Chronicles, uh, but... Chapter 29 of 1 Chronicles, I'm telling you, after this morning, when you think of King David, I want you to think of Psalm 23. I want you to think of the story of Goliath. You know, those are all great, great biblical truths. But I also want you to think of 1 Chronicles 29. Because I think it may be one of the most beautiful prayers, outside of the Lord's Prayer, of course, that we're given in all of Scripture. And it is just chuck full of why we should be thankful every day. If you look at your life and you go, I got nothing to be thankful for, Tim. Life is hard and it's crummy and there's just ugh, frustration everywhere I turn. Then I beg you to write this down at the front of your Bible or to text it to yourself. That's how I kind of do reminders. I text myself. I, what's weird is sometimes I answer. Is it? Anybody else? No? Okay, well, okay. So I answer my own text because I don't want to forget something. This is one of those where you don't want to forget it. First Chronicles 29. Real quick little history lesson. Up to this point, David is really, um, he's actually going to die at the end of chapter 29. Okay, so he's at the end of his life. All of his campaigns are over. All of his uh, sins are over and all of his exalting God is over. And he has set in motion two things. One, the temple needs to be built. God would not allow him to build, build the temple because he was a man of bloodshed. And so Solomon was going to become king and he was going to end up building the temple. But David prepared it. He got all the materials, got all the gifts, got all the lumber, stones, gold, silver, all of that stuff ready for his son Solomon to actually build the great Solomon temple of Israel. But leading up to that, David talks to the nation of Israel. And he opens up to the nation of Israel with this prayer in verse 10 of 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And just to prove the point that prayers don't have to be 20 minutes long to be a spiritual prayer, uh, the prayer is like three verses. Okay? Um, before we read it, and I know that some of you have looked it up already, but I want you to do me a favor at this moment and close your eyes and listen to this prayer. Undistracted by all the lights, buzzes, and sounds around you, just listen to this prayer of David. David prays the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory 
and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. David doesn't say amen. You can open your eyes. I realize now that that could have been a double-edged sword for me because you may not have opened your eyes until we were done. I totally get it. It's nice, warm, and toasty in here. There's no amen. The rest of the chapter goes on, and um, most commentaries don't believe it's actually a prayer at that point, that it's just David speaking to the congregation. And he, and he speaks to the whole of Israel and just encourages them and lays out before them how they need to follow God and how they need to follow Solomon, how God is going to be good to them and how He's been good in the past. But David's prayer is focused upon who in those three verses? Who does, God, who does David focus upon? God. Oh my word, I, I'm giving away every answer today. God is the focus of his prayer. Notice the focus of his prayer in this prayer of thankful hearts is not about what David needs and wants. David does not have a list of do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and answer this prayer, this prayer, this prayer, this prayer. This. No, no, no. It's a prayer of amazing exaltation. It's a prayer of adoring God. It's a prayer just telling God how great He is and how good He is. Imagine if our prayers started there. Instead of just saying, oh God, we thank you for today, and then your list of wants. Your entire prayer moment, whether it be a popcorn prayer or a prayer of minutes, was filled of how many things God is good at. God is good at being a God of promise. He's the God of Israel. And every time you know that you see in your scripture that L-O-R-D in lower uppercase, it is the name Jehovah, Yahweh. It is the special covenantal name. I am who I say I am. So David is appealing to a God who's not unknown, not a generic name of God, but indeed the name that God gave all of Israel and us Abba, Father, Jehovah, Yahweh, the great I Am, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And it's praise to this God of covenant. Listen, from the very beginning when God came to Abraham and said, I want to make you a special people. From the very first person, Abraham, he failed miserably more than once in the book of Genesis. He lied and cheated. He deceived others. He was not perfect. And then come his sons, imperfect sons. Then come his grandsons, imperfect grandsons. Then come the twelve imperfect kids. Even though Joseph was indeed like David, a man after his own heart, he was a sinner like all of us. And God never once turned His back upon His children and said, you've disappointed me 
for the last time. You're on your own. Good luck. Don't, don't call. Never once. Wow. Is that a God worthy of our praise? Absolutely. And so David says, first and foremost, praise this God of the great covenant from everlasting to everlasting. There's not a moment of time where his name should not be exalted in our lives. Not a single moment. David goes on and says, Lord, your, uh, yours, Lord, is the greatest of the power. And yours, ugh, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. How do you tell someone how amazing they are when they own everything? What kind of gift do you give them? What kind of payment do you give them when even the payment you give them is theirs? What we have is very simple. What we have is something that God has told us time and time to give. What has he told us to give? Live as a sacrifice to me. I want your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want you. Give me you. And so David gets to this point where all the power, all the splendor, all the majesty, all the greatness, the whole earth declares that we are yours. Abraham Kuyper, one of the first Dutch presidents of the Netherlands in the modern times in the 1900s, had this beautiful famous quote in which he said, Jesus Christ, there is not a square inch of the universe that does not shout out and declare, Mine! Every inch of this universe, no matter where you look, Jesus Christ declares, It is Mine! Including your thoughts. Whoa, that is not a package we want to open up and let other people in. Doesn't matter, you don't have to open up and let him in. He's there. You don't have to give him permission to know what's on your mind. You don't have to give him permission to know exactly what you meant when you said it. You don't have to give him permission for your feelings to be properly and perfectly read. He is indeed a mind reader, perfect every single time. He doesn't have to read your facial expression or your, your gestures. He knows you. Every single inch of your existence, He knows. It can make us a little uncomfortable. I get the fear factor on that. But as that relationship with Jesus Christ grows, the fear dissipates and peace overwhelms. Comfort overwhelms. A knowledge that He truly knows who I am and what I need overwhelms me with a sense of security and peace which leads to joy. You want joy in your life? You've got to surrender to the fact that Jesus Christ really knows you and you can't hide anything from Him. And that relationship builds peace and comfort which leads to joy. But David says, Yours is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. The kingdom of God is the kingdom that we belong to first and foremost. It's not an earthly kingdom. It's not a family kingdom. It's a heavenly kingdom. It's spiritual. It's physical because we're here together. But it's not simply a physical kingdom. It is indeed a spiritual kingdom where we are united through the Holy Spirit as brothers and sisters in Christ 
which goes beyond the grave, forever exists with us in eternity, our relationship with one another based on Christ, not based on creed, not based on, on, on a race, not based on language, not based on wealth, not based on location, not based on the time of history we're born, but it's based on Christ. We are all united in that relationship because he is our head and we are the body. We are indeed, as, as Paul says in Corinthians, we are hands and feet and tongues and legs and mouths and eyes and ears. We are a diverse group that God has gathered to walk and declare his name to the lost, to the world, and to build each other up. There's also, obviously, a connectedness with ourselves. It's not just about evangelism. It's also discipleship in our lives. Paul, uh, David continues and says, Wealth and honor came from you. Wealth and honor came from God. David, David is probably at this point the world's richest man, definitely the richest king, the richest person in all of Israel. And he acknowledges wealth and honor, property and titles come from God. And all of a sudden, all of that proud arrogance of what I have and how I'm called and how I'm viewed disappears. It disappears. It doesn't matter. Because your titles, your wealth, your privileges, your honors, your degrees, your awards, in the end, all come from God. Yes, you do work. Yes, you do have effort. Yes, you do accomplish things. And yes, God tells us to. But in the end, when we say, how did you arrive here? Lowest common denominator is God brought us here. God brought me to this place. God gave me the health to work, the wisdom to work, an understanding on how to proceed, you know, gave me even the physical ability to do this or that to that level. It's all from God. And David says, as the king of Israel, all that I have, and people, I imagine, would be envious and jealous of David, all of his power, the fact that he feels he can get away with any kind of wives he wants, like his son does. Bad example, David. Solomon followed you in that. People would think what an easy life that is. And David would answer, like he does here, all that wealth, all that honor, all that prestige, all those titles, all those abilities, all those awards, all those ribbons, all those trophies I have, they're ultimately God's handiwork in my life. And I think that is the right way to approach God's blessing in our lives. When we acknowledge it's not of my own effort and ability, it's from God's hand of mercy. And it takes away jealousy too. Because when we see someone else with something else or something better, we don't become jealous of that person. Like, uh, remember those guys at the very beginning, Cain and Abel? Remember Cain's jealousy when Abel's sacrifice was accepted? and Cain's wasn't, he got jealous and killed his brother. There's no need for jealousy because it's not you. It's God who has placed that blessing in your life. And if God has decided to place a blessing in your life that is different than my blessing in my life, my response is praise God for his blessings that I have and praise God for the blessings you have. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things, not a square inch of this universe. Jesus doesn't stamp with 
mine. And he acknowledges in your hands, and this is incredibly comforting, in your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to the worthy. No, no, I'm sorry. To give strength to those who really, really need it. No. Uh, to those who, ah, oh, tithe. Sorry, I, I, my translation got all messed up there. Um, oh, oh, rats. Um, to those who serve in the nursery. Oh, I, my translations are getting totally mixed up here. Um, oh, to those who attend church every Sunday. No. To exalt and give strength to all. It's all of us. It's all of us. That means if I'm lacking strength, if I'm lacking power, if I'm lacking, how do I get through this day? Where do I go? Not a trick question. God. God holds all the strength and power and wisdom and ability. And if I'm lacking, if I need, there's one shop to go. God. How do you, how do you get that strength? I don't think it's a secret. You already know the answer. You have to ask. You have to say, help. It doesn't even have to be a real word that you say, because God knows your heart. The Holy Spirit at times prays for us when we don't know what to say. He comes alongside and prays on our behalf. So all you have to do is go, and God goes, I know. I know. Here is all you need for the moment. He hasn't promised He's going to give you all the strength you need for the rest of your life. He said, to get through this moment, here I am. You need me the next moment? Cry out to me, because I'll be here. And this is the beautiful thing, because you know what He asked for in return? I've already mentioned it. No payment. He asks you for your life as a living sacrifice. I have to give him my all in all. I have to love him with my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and my neighbor as myself. He says, in payment, don't give me money, don't give me talents, don't give me time, give me you. Give me you. And I think every time we get to that point where we give him us, we realize the strength we needed to get through something, he supplied it to us all along through Christ. It's just our eyes were misfocused a little bit. And then he concludes in that verse 13, Now our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. I mentioned sometimes our eyes get off focus, and I want to take us home here at this point and look at Colossians 3.1, because I think that verse gives us a beautiful understanding of keeping our focus on David's prayer of 1 Chronicles 29. Paul says, therefore, if you have been raised with Christ or raised with the Messiah, keep focusing on the things that are above, where the Messiah, where Jesus Christ, is seated at the right hand of God. Paul knows, God knows we have a hard time sometimes focusing on the big picture that God is in control, that God is worthy to be praised, that God is the answer to the struggles we face even as believers. God is the source of of wisdom and knowledge and strength and peace and comfort and joy. He is the source. 
But we are so prone to think we have to do it ourselves. We are so prone to lean on other things for joy and happiness that really never give us satisfaction, never give us contentment. I mean, we, there are so many studies and so many stories done by people who have won the lottery and by millionaires that how much more money do you think you need? Double. I need more. I need more. I need more. Because it doesn't satisfy. And Paul says, I know that stuff doesn't satisfy. Do you want satisfaction, contentment, peace, comfort, joy? Keep your eyes focused on Christ. Who He is, what He has done. Those are the things that are above the promises that we have. The glorious, precious promises that He is from everlasting to everlasting. That He will never leave us nor forsake us. Even in 2020, He will never leave you nor forsake you. His love for you and His concern about what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're going through is absolutely on point. His attention to you does not waver. Our eyes wander. His never does. And so to help us from wandering eyes and to have a life that is thankful. David says this is how you pray. It's all about God. It's got to start with God. And then Paul says, in order to keep this focus, keep your eyes, keep your attention, keep your thoughts on good, glorious things about what Christ has done. And I know someone's going to ask, maybe in their own mind, Tim, what has Christ done? I'll take that challenge, and I'll have you start reading John chapter 1. Just start there. If you don't know how to keep your eyes focused on God and Christ during the day, read John 1. Later on in the day, maybe you have to read John chapter 2. Just keep reading through your end of the book. And if you have to, because you're struggling the next day, start again in John chapter 1 and read through. Start again in John chapter 1 and read through. And God will, I promise you, promise you, God will reveal Himself in amazing ways through reading His Scripture when you are hopeless. He will give you hope. He will give you direction. He will give you comfort, peace, and joy. Let's close in prayer, and as I do, Logan, if you come up and lead us in our last song. Our gracious Father, you are indeed a God of great, just greatness. Help us, Father, to live each and every day with a reliance upon you, with a joy about you, and with contentment with what you have given us, and a peace and comfort with what you have not given us. You are great. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all stand back up, please. You were the word at the beginning. One with God, the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation. Is now revealed in you, our Christ.
What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. You didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you sent heaven down. Sin was great, your love was greater. What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is! What a wonderful name it is! The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is! Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. Death could not hold you, the veil tore before you, you silenced the boast of sin and grave, and the heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. Oh, you have no rival, you have no equal, now and forever, God, you reign, and yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names, what a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is, and nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.